Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host TK, a teacher and pop culture enthusiast. And in this episode, I'm sharing my thoughts on the Marvel Studios Disney Plus Day announcements as well as Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Shang-Chi. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind the scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the show by purchasing There Was an Idea merchandise. You can find the link in my bio on Instagram as well as in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. All right, so you are listening to the first of two episodes of There Was an Idea this week. In this one, I'm going to be talking about the Marvel Studios announcements from Disney Plus Day, which was Friday, November 12th. Friday, November 12th was also the day on which Shang-Chi started airing on Disney+. Plus. I haven't rewatched the film yet, although I'm excited to, and it's been fun talking to friends who hadn't yet seen the film because they didn't go to the theaters to see it, who are now able to join in the Shang-Chi conversation. So, so I've enjoyed talking about Shang-Chi again. And the other thing that came out was the Marvel Studios Assembled. And I've talked before about how much I really enjoy those making of specials. So after I talk a little bit about Disney Plus Day, I will also share my thoughts on Assembled Shang-Chi. I mentioned that this is the first of two episodes this week. The other one coming up is about Eternals. I'm not done talking about Eternals just yet. I put out an episode last weekend sharing my first impressions of the film after I had seen it once in the movie theater, and I have since seen it two more times. Perhaps by the time I finalize my next episode, I may have already seen it again. And since I put that episode out, I've spent a lot of time thinking about Eternals, and there's more that I want to say. Not ready for the deep dive analysis episode just yet, because I think it's a big one. There's going to be some juicy things to really dig into from the academic side, so to speak. And so I'm thinking that I won't put that out on the podcast until after Eternals has come out on Disney Plus, and there's a reinvigoration of that conversation as well. But until that time, I I didn't want to wait to expand on some of my thoughts on Eternals, because after I did see it, a couple more times. There were things that I felt or noticed that I didn't include in that first impressions episode. And so especially when it comes to the characters and really trying to dig into what worked and trying to dig into what really resonated with me about some of the characters in particular, I want to spend some time talking about that. So that's what you'll hear on the next episode. But first, Disney Plus Day. So Like last year's Disney Investor Day, I was very much looking forward to hearing what announcements were coming up in the Disney world, specifically Marvel, of course, but I am also interested in what's going on in the Star Wars side of things and the Pixar side of things as well. And like last year, this Disney Day also coincided with a big Taylor Swift release. And so that that made it a fun day. But I have to say this year, I was not as surprised or or totally taken by the hype of Disney Plus Day once those Marvel announcements were out. I did enjoy the Marvel Studios special look that was dedicated to the MCU Disney Plus series, past, present, and future, as it says. And that's really what I'm going to share my thoughts on now. I think the big differentiating factor between this Disney Plus Day and last year's Disney Investor Day in December is, of course, we weren't going to get any huge casting announcements or movie announcements because this was focused on the Disney Plus side of things. But I was a little bit surprised that we didn't get any specific dates announced for Moon Knight or She-Hulk or Miss Marvel or anything else coming up other than a vague coming soon. So clicking play on the Marvel Studios 2021 special look feature, 
I wasn't sure what to expect to start some Marvel fanfare. And when the title card, the Marvel Studios title card, goes into the black and white and shifts into the three by four aspect ratio again, as it did with the very first episode of WandaVision, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's cool, right? Past, present, and future. So we're going to be looking at a little bit of a recap of what's come out on Disney Plus already. What I was not expecting is that we would see very detailed summaries of each show so far, WandaVision, Falcon, Loki, and What If?, as it was showing clips from WandaVision, the first one, I was like, oh, okay, this is fully spoiled. So anybody who might be interested in watching this Disney Plus Day special who hasn't seen all of these series, is this is not for them. The audience is somebody who has already seen the existing shows and is hyped for the future ones. So I appreciated that as, okay, let's look back on kind of recapping what's already what's already happened, but that did surprise me a little bit that it was so so spoiler filled. But I have to say I really, really enjoyed the editing of the transitions from one to the next. So for example, we hear Vision saying, let's fight for it. And we see the clip shift from a WandaVision clip into Captain America's shield hitting the tree from Falcon Winter Soldier. And you hear Wanda's voice saying, we just don't know what to expect. And then the music shifts and it's now we're in the Falcon world. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, um, honestly, watching the recap of WandaVision, I was like, I know WandaVision so well at this point. I've watched it so many times. It's my favorite of the shows. But Falcon, I haven't watched straight through since it aired. And I've been meaning to do another rewatch of it. Looking at the recap, I was like, oh, man, Falcon was really good. And I think while it was airing, I was enjoying it very much. And then afterward, it felt a little bit I don't want to say forgettable because it wasn't forgettable, but it felt a little bit like, okay, like that was a thing, not my favorite. Um, But then looking at the clips again, I was like remembering just how much I really appreciated about that show. So I am definitely planning, I think come January, February, after Spider-Man No Way Home has come out, when there's a little bit of of a pause on the movies until May with Doctor Strange. I don't know exactly what's going on in the Disney Plus world. I'm sure we'll get something between January and May. But regardless, during the winter months when there's not much else to do and things are gloomy, I'm thinking about doing a full rewatch of everything MCU. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Falcon again and perhaps doing a chronological rewatch. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. But suffice it to say that the recap of Falcon Winter Soldier made made me feel positively And the transition was great then from that one to Loki, Sam's voice saying, we're going to need all hands on deck for whatever's coming next. And you see Loki in the desert. And again, then it shifts. And these transitions too were so neatly done, but it also reminded me just how different in tone and style each of the Disney Plus series have been so far. And I think that really captures what I've always loved about the MCU, how, how each entry is part of this larger whole and they are connected but they each have their unique feel as well. And so I I think this really captured that. Probably the best transition of all was the one from clips from Loki into clips from What If. It was really seamless how you hear Loki's voice saying, we write our own destiny now, and you see the horns from his headpiece, and you're looking out into the desert, and it's then shifting into the animated What If. Thought that was pretty cool. So the other thing that I want to say before talking about the extended clip from Hawkeye that we got, and then the previews of the new stuff, is that I'm thinking about the ways in which phase four of the MCU has in many ways been defined by this Disney Plus side of things, by serialized television format storytelling. And as much as I absolutely adore Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals, and I could save this for another conversation, but in many ways, I think 
phase four has been one of the strongest of the MCU of all time. I think there are other people who think it may be among the weakest. That's an interesting conversation to have if anyone wants to have that conversation with me. But regardless, if you even just look at these four shows, I think it's undeniable that they are crucial to the MCU. Even if there are going to be people who continue to see the films without having seen these shows, I think if you are a person who is invested in this world, these shows are absolutely essential and so much time and hard work and fantastic performances and all of these things have gone into these Disney Plus shows. So I think I lost my train of thought there a little bit, but suffice to say from looking at all of the announcements about what's coming soon to Disney Plus, Disney Plus is going to continue to be a huge part of the MCU moving forward. I'm curious about phases as well. Are all of these announcements going to be falling within what's called phase four? Because if so, phase four is going to be even more sprawling than phase three. Do phases not matter as much anymore um, now that we are in the Disney Plus world? So these are these are some questions that I have. Let's talk about new stuff. So the clip from Hawkeye. I was already jazzed for Hawkeye. This makes me even more so. Again, the transition was beautiful from the clip from What If, where we see Hawkeye about to shoot some arrows, then to live action Kate Bishop and the voiceover from The Watcher saying, giving birth to new heroes. A couple things I noticed, that Rogers the Musical billboard, love to see it. Very much looking forward to that tie-in in the Hawkeye world. Haley Steinfeld, the scene between her and Jeremy Renner at the diner, I was really taken by her acting and it was just a very brief scene. And I think in the clips I'd seen so far, she was more kind of a funny, plucky sort of, you know, she's excited to be there and working with Clint, but there was a little bit more of a serious side that came out in that diner conversation. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her performance here. And it, it seems like an interesting conversation in which they're talking about being part of this world, being a, a hero it's come, comes at a price. And she says, there's also things that you gain. A very interesting conversation to be had there. I like when he says, I'm not a role model to anyone. I hope we're going to be getting into Clint's psyche a little bit more in the show. And as I've talked about before with guests on the show, one of the best moments with Clint is his conversation with Wanda in Avengers Age of Ultron when he says, you walk out that door and you're an Avenger. And so I'm excited to see, you know, this show digging into his relationship with somebody younger who looks up to him. And especially now, after we know what he did in Avengers Endgame, or, you know, really what he did in those five years between the snaps and reckoning with that part of his of his life and what that means for his ability to to see himself as a hero. I'm really intrigued in, in what they might do with that, because that's bringing all of this MCU stuff into a story that otherwise seems like they're very much taking on from the Matt Fraction comic. And next week, as I said, I'm going to be talking about Matt Fraction's Hawkeye and discussing my life as a weapon specifically, and the follow-up little hits, and sharing a little bit about what I hope they bring from those comics into, into the show. One of the things that they're definitely bringing in is this car chase trick arrow scene, which is directly lifted from the comics, so with some changes, because the circumstances in which that car chase begins in the comic is not something that we're going to see in the, in the MCU because of the way in which Clint's character has already been established, that he has a wife and he has a family. But it was very cool to have, have read 
that scene and really enjoyed it on the page to see this version of it play out in this clip here. As I've mentioned many times before, I did a whole episode on needle drops in the MCU. I'm really here for juxtaposition of music with whatever's happening in the scene. So the juxtaposition of the Christmas music playing on the car radio and the guys who are known in the comics as the tracksuit mafia chasing them down. It's very, very cool. Very exciting. Um, the, the side of the van says, trust a bro. And that's kind of a bit in the comics as well that they keep calling each they keep calling each other and everybody bro. So I really, really enjoyed this clip and it's got me even more excited for the show. I'm curious if this is a clip from episode one. I'm going to have to assume so. I don't know um, because I don't think they would because in the past they really have in the trailers really only shown clips from the first couple episodes. So uh, we'll see. And then, of course, that shot of them jumping off the bridge and the camera you know, looking down at them as their backs are to the water and they grab onto the arrow. And that's imagery we've seen of Clint before. So now to see that with him and Kate Bishop, very cool. So in just a couple of short weeks, we will be seeing the first two episodes of Hawkeye. Can't wait. So then I'm looking, I actually paused and I looked at the timestamp on this special look feature. And I'm like, okay, what's coming up next? How much time do we have? What are we going to see? And I was very excited to see that we actually saw footage from Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac, fantastic actor. And when they announced that he was going to be in the MCU, I was very excited for that. I went from having zero familiarity with Moon Knight to having a little bit in that I know that this is a character who is related to more of a the dark horror side of Marvel. Maybe I'm overstating that. This is just the impression that I have from conversations I've had. I have in front of me actually Ultimate Marvel, which is an encyclopedia of sorts. Shout out to friends of the podcast, Megan and Anthony, for getting this book for me. And this tells me that Moon Knight's first first appearance in the comics was in a comic called Werewolf by Night in 1975. That his name is Mark Spector. And, oh, yes, I had talked with people about this before who told me that he has a multiple personality disorder of sorts. Or he has multiple identities, I should say. It says here, creating a complex web of identities as well as a superhero persona, Moon Knight, Spectre fights bizarre criminals, monsters, and criminal organizations while helping the downtrodden. He is convinced that he has been made an instrument of justice and vengeance by the Egyptian god. However, signs of his mental instability become increasingly apparent. This sounds wonderful. I, again, you know, we'll see how much of the original comic uh, gets into this show, but you can see from the clip that we have that it seems to be quite dark in tone. We have Oscar Isaac talking about the difference between waking life and dreams and not being able to tell the difference, that there's this voice in, in your head that will devour you. Very much looking forward to what this is going to be. And especially after seeing Eternals, so spoilers for Eternals post credit scene coming in just a couple of seconds, learning that the voice at the end of that was Blade and knowing that there will be some relationship between Blade and Dane Whitman. Um, I'm looking forward to what seems to be more of the werewolf vampire horror side of Marvel coming into the MCU because I really dig that sort of stuff. All right, then it goes from clips from Moon Knight to my girl, Tatiana Maslany. I, I love Tatiana Maslany. If anyone listening has not watched the show Orphan Black, I highly recommend it. 
as much as I've recommended anything in the MCU or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it is something that is so good and unique and niche. It's it's pretty underrated. Her performance in that show is impeccable. And I shouldn't even say performance. I should say performances because she plays multiple characters. The, the story, the basic premise of the story is that there are clones of her. And the way that she acts alongside herself, the way that she acts as certain characters pretending that they are other characters is incredibly nuanced and effective and just so masterful. And I'm so excited for her to be in the MCU. I'm unfamiliar with She-Hulk in that I haven't read any She-Hulk comics. I can kind of make an assumption about (laughs) what her, her whole deal might be, being familiar with other Hulk. But the fact that it's Tatiana Maslany would have me signed up, even if I wasn't a Marvel fan, I would be excited to see this show just because I love her so much. We see that she's a lawyer. We get a peek of her green limbs. We see Bruce Banner. We see Mark Ruffalo as smart Hulk talking with, maybe training Jennifer Walters, who is Maslany's character. And then like this very bizarre, it looks like a commercial where she is looking at the camera and says, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry and not sure what that's all about. If that's supposed to be a commercial for her law firm, that's kind of the vibe that it gave off. But there's a lot of, uh, I have a lot of questions about that. And I'm very, very intrigued as to what this show is going to be. And I can't wait, truly cannot wait for She-Hulk. And the third, Miss Marvel. Now, Miss Marvel, I had originally thought because we got a first peek at Miss Marvel last December, um, I think, unless I was misunderstanding, I think that this show was meant to come out. Yeah, this show was meant to come out this winter, uh, late 2021 or early 2022. It seems like it's been pushed back even further, which is interesting. Uh, Maybe they are going through some decision making on what exactly Miss Marvel is going to be and how it's going to play a role in the larger MCU. Very much looking forward to it. We see a little bit more of Kamala Khan here. We see her dressed as Captain Marvel, which is very cute. And we hear her telling a friend, it's not usually brown girls from Jersey City who get to save the world. So I am very much looking forward to seeing Miss Marvel. I wonder the extent to which the delay in her show coming out might have to do with the Marvel's film and how it ties into that. So a lot of unanswered questions and we'll see what happens. I have to say of those three... As much as Miss Marvel is the one that originally seeing the first peak, I'm like, oh, when is this coming out? This is going to be so good. And as much as I do love Oscar Isaac and I'm looking forward to the dark side of the MCU with Moon Knight, I think She-Hulk is the one I'm most looking forward to because of Maslani and just because of the camp that I feel like it might be able to have and how how weird it seems. So again, just super psyched to see, to see these first looks. And then the screen says, and coming soon, And we get title cards for a lot of the Disney Plus shows that were announced last December, but also some new ones added in. So I'm curious as to if the order in which these came up on the screen is the order in which they will come out. Is Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel the order those are coming out and then these will follow? I'm not entirely sure what to expect, but there's some titles here that we've known about since last year. There's also some titles that are new that are squeezed in here. So I'll just read through them. I am Groot, which we heard about last year. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which we heard about last year. What If Season 2, which was a recent announcement. Then Echo. Echo has connections to Hawkeye and also to Daredevil and Kingpin. 
I'm curious to see if she is going to show up in the Hawkeye show and if maybe this Echo show will be somewhat of a, of a spinoff from there. Could be cool. Then it says Loki season two. So again, I'm curious if this gives us the placement of when Loki season two will be coming out. Not so sure. X-Men 97, which will be an extension, it seems, a reboot maybe of, of the 1990s X-Men cartoon. So that's very fun. Another animated show, Spider-Man Freshman Year. I got to say, Spider-Man Freshman Year, if there's anything on this list that I'm like, ah, maybe I'll skip that. I, it might be that. And I say that because if knowing that it's animated and knowing that Tom Holland didn't do the voice of Peter Parker in the What If series, if it's not Tom Holland and if it's not directly connected to that, I, I'm not sure how essential Spider-Man Freshman Year will feel or if it will just kind of be a fun extra. And, and by skippable... I don't necessarily mean like I wouldn't watch it because it certainly could be fun to see the missing part of our MCU Peter Parker story. And especially depending on how it's animated, it could be very cool, but maybe maybe skippable in that. Like, I don't know if, if it would be something to cover on the podcast. Maybe I'm entirely wrong. Maybe it's going to be amazing. But that was one that I was just kind of like, huh, OK. Then we see Ironheart. That was also announced last year. Agatha House of Harkness. This was a surprise. This was announced a couple weeks ago, I think. Curious to see what direction that's going to go in. Armor Wars was announced last year. Marvel Zombies, which I said on one of my What If episodes that I wouldn't have necessarily chosen a Marvel Zombies spinoff from What If. It seems I know it was a comic series and I, I, I know it's one that people quite like a lot. So perhaps it will be very cool, but wasn't uh, necessarily expecting that. And then Secret Invasion, and we see a clip of Nick Fury look, looking very grizzled. And uh, yeah, very curious as to what Secret Invasion is going to bring us as well. And again, knowing that we have a clip of Nick Fury in that, is this really the order that they're going to come out? Or is there actually, is this backwards order? Or is this all mixed up? I guess we will have to wait and see. So I would say the highlights for me from Disney Plus Day as pertains to Marvel, would definitely be the glimpse of She-Hulk and the extended clip from Hawkeye. Very much looking forward to Hawkeye premiering in just a couple weeks. Now, since I'm here, I did also want to share a little bit about the Assembled special on Shang-Chi. A couple of weeks ago, I did share my thoughts on Assembled Black Widow and Assembled What If. I didn't do entire episodes on those, but just a few minutes I think is worthwhile because these specials really are so good. And for anyone who hasn't watched them, I really do recommend them. It gives you a greater appreciation for all of the hard work that went into creating the magic that we see on screen. So a few things that I noticed that resonated with me from this special, the emphasis that the talking heads put on the ways in which the film expresses character through action. This is something that Trey and I talked a lot about on our, on our episode as something that we really enjoyed about the Shang-Chi film. And clearly that was intentional and it was something that was seen as being characteristic to Kung Fu films as well as being characteristic to Marvel films. And so they kind of married that here. The episode opens on Simu Lu talking about how one of his early gigs was dressing as Spider-Man for parties and how and how he was always Spider-Man because... As an Asian actor, he was getting cast, so to speak, as the heroes that didn't have to show their face. So what he was saying was so special about Shang-Chi was the fact that he has no mask. And I thought that that was really quite sweet and in the spirit of what this special talks about in terms of representation and just how um, how meaningful this experience was for Simu as an actor. 
as well as other actors in the film talking about being able to to shine on this platform that they hadn't necessarily had uh, access to before. A couple other things that stood out. Dustin Daniel Crenton, the director, talks about how this is very much a story of a, of a hero who finds his superpower by going inward. I thought that was really resonant and that very much shows in the film. They talk about how, and this is something that Trey and I talked about as well, but how he has to recognize that aspects of both his mom and his dad are within him and that neither are good nor evil. And we talked about that a lot. And it was very validating to hear that back, that this was all intentionally part of the storytelling and things that we notice. There's a great interview with Andy Park in which he talks about the suit, designing the suit that uh, Shang-Chi wears in Talo and how it's something that's given to him. And the dragon scales are obviously representative of Talo, of his mom. And when he gets the rings, those are representative of his dad. But that what he keeps that are his are his shoes, his Air Jordans that are very representative of his time in San Francisco. And I thought that was really cool. They talked about the suits, by the way, those dragon scales, which obviously aren't really from dragons, but they talk about how those were all glued on by hand and that there were about 14,000 scales on each of the suits. I thought that was pretty cool. It was also really cool to see Simu's physical training that he did in preparation for the film and how he really did the majority of his own stunts because he is an incredibly talented martial artist. They talk about the different styles of martial arts that he had to combine, both strength training and flexibility. And it was really cool to see those clips of him going through that process and seeing how much of that training experience he brought into the Shang-Chi character. He was also talking about how he was born in China and his parents are from China, but that he grew up in Canada. And he talks about that feeling of kind of being of two worlds, but not being fully at home in either. And Aquafina talks about that too, that duality of that connection of being a what she calls like a dash American. And I thought that was really really cool. And again, this is something that comes up for Shang-Chi's character as well. So the fact that the actor's experiences are brought in here, it was awesome to be introduced to Monger Zhang, who was a standout for me in her role as Zha Ling in this. They talked about how they intentionally chose her as an actress from China to be representative of that part of Shang-Chi's life in the way that Aquafina and Katie are representative of his time in, in the States. She was so funny and charming and uh, really and talked about her relationship with Simu and how they had a real kind of sibling relationship. So it was very, very cute. And I think the standout was the behind the scenes footage of the bus scene. The bus scene is my favorite or one of two favorite scenes in the movie. And it was so cool to see how they shot that and how I'm not going to do it justice by explaining it, but definitely check it out. They talk about how they really um, emulated the lighting of what the San Francisco streets would be like. And they choreographed the movements of the bus on this mechanical machine that allowed it to move in all the different types of ways a bus really would. And, and they really captured the ways in which the streets would be designed. And seeing Simu doing the stunts all over the bus, and even though it's blue screen in the back, it was still so cool to see how much really went into it in making it look so so realistic. So that even though... Obviously, they weren't doing it on the streets of San Francisco. You still feel like it really would be the types of movements happening on a bus. So that was very, very cool to see. And there's other scenes, too, that they talked about how they shot it. Like the scene in which we see through the eyes of little boy Shang-Chi, we see his dad in the gambling den going after the guys responsible for for Shang-Chi's mother's death. That was really cool to see as well. So once again, Marvel Studios assembled. Awesome. 
highly recommend watching any and all of those episodes. And they have a rewatch quality to them as well. Like watching the Shang-Chi one makes me want to go back and rewatch some of the other assembled. So there you have it. My thoughts on Disney Plus Day, on Assembled Shang-Chi, and stay tuned later this week for some more thoughts on Eternals. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at Delta, D-E-L-T-A dot mush, M-U-S-H on Instagram. Music by Demeter Savia, who you can find on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Remember, you can check out There Was an Idea merchandise. Link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening and stay tuned in a couple days for some more thoughts on Eternals and next week for my Hawkeye preview episode. <laughs>